0: what's up guys it's the blue bloods coming back coming at you with a national signing day recap we go over the biggest announcements of the day from the biggest players and we highlight and review the final composite top 10 rankings from this past recruiting cycle we wrap up this episode by talking about what teams were the biggest winners in this recruiting cycle and which teams left a lot to be desired this episode is loaded and jam-packed so let's get it going Just kind of highlighting some of the bigger players that made announcements, made their decisions on where they're going to take their talent. And we'll start with Jordan Birch, who, you know, we're recording this a day later than we planned on just because of Jordan Birch and Zachary Evans being selfish and taking away from the great content that you guys tune in to get Jordan Birch. We are recording February 6th. It's like 10 o'clock. About two hour, two, or, two or so hours ago, Jordan Burch finally sent in his national letter of intent to South Carolina. He's going to stay in Columbus. And based on all reports I can find, it's due to the fact that there were family members who didn't think that was the best decision for him. And because of this, they were trying to convince him to go to LSU because they said that was his best chance to win a national championship and make the most out of his college career.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I mean, as much as I would have loved to see this kid in Baton Rouge next season, um, as much as I would have loved to see him in purple and gold, I'm at the end of the day, I'm glad that he did what he felt was best for himself, if, if that report's true. Um, you know, I've heard it the other way too, but I'm not an insider like Zach, so I'll take his word for it. Um, but, no, I mean, I think the kids should be able to decide where they want to go. I mean, they're the ones spending three, four years of this school um, – Trying to get that, I mean, get that paycheck eventually from the NFL, but obviously, but um, I mean, but it's their lives. Let them do what they feel like is right. Um, and I don't really think it's anybody else's place to try to step in and sway the one way or the other.
0: No, it's definitely not. And you see a lot of this selfishness all the time on National Signing Day. Those, The, the people in, that supposedly think they have a say really they really don't. They weren't out there practicing with uh these kids. They weren't in the game with them. So I just, I, I hate seeing this. And, you know, to highlight another player we waited on, Zachary Evans. Oh, man. He, we, we held off on, on this episode mostly because of him. And it's because he announced on Instagram Live that he was going to announce today. But now there's a bunch of reports coming out that he's not eligible to sign until March. And this but- is due... And this is due to like previous issues with his letter of intent that he signed with Georgia, even though they cleared him of it, he's not eligible to sign yet. And in Ole Miss, Tennessee are the two favorites, but Florida is a, is supposedly getting an official visit in March right before he signs. So this is going to be an interesting race.
1: No, it's, it's definitely crazy. Um, at least in my opinion, just because I never really, you know, if you would have asked me a couple months ago who, where I thought that Zachary Evans was going to land, I Probably never would have said Tennessee or Ole Miss. Uh, I mean, obviously my first choice was Georgia. That's the school that he signed his letter of intent for, like Zach just said. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe not, maybe not Georgia. Let's go like LSU. You know, LSU has a culture of running backs similar to that of Georgia. They usually have a stable, but the kids from Houston. So at the same time, I was thinking, okay, maybe Texas A&M. But for him to land somewhere like. Tennessee or Ole Miss, that is just, I mean, that's mind-boggling. Also, I want to go ahead and take a lot of the blame for uh, releasing this a day late because, like Zach said, we decided to hold out mostly because of Zachary Evans. That was kind of a me call, and I really thought I could trust this kid to be uh, true to his word, but obviously I just haven't learned anything since covering him at all. (laughs) <laughs>
0: exactly uh,
1: because i mean even if you can't sign a letter of intent you can still commit somewhere right i yeah. mean you i uh, mean it's you can't really sign a letter of intent before the signing periods anyway so i mean well you can but there's like certain times a year that you sign this certain i mean there's like a process
0: yeah, I mean th- there is and it's just disappointing to see this and I, this is going to be an interesting recruitment as it winds down but to move on to some players who did make some decisions we had Alfred Collins defensive end four star top 100 player in the country all project- all projections were sending this kid to Tuscaloosa to play for Nick Saban he shocks the world and he is going to pick Texas and Tom Herman's program to take his talents to. And I, I think this was one of the biggest wins of the whole recruiting cycle for Texas.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you get this four-star – I mean, he's a he's, he's a defensive end. I mean, he's a pass rusher. Uh, it's great for Texas. I think it's – you know, I can't really judge the kid's decision like because he is a kid, like I just said. But, man – I, he would have his career would be, I mean, so much different if he went to Alabama.
0: Yeah, and I mean, honestly, he probably have a chance to play immediately. Yeah, they're they're losing a lot of defensive talent, so that's what I'm saying. And they have players
1: a, coming back too, so he'd have like an all star cast around him, and then he'd have his shot to start day one
0: potentially. I just—I didn't see this coming, to be honest with you guys. On the preview episode, I, th- I really thought this kid was headed to Tuscaloosa. And, you know, uh, here's another loss for Alabama, and that's Jason Jones, defensive tackle. He's been committed for a while, four-star defensive tackle. And on National Signing Day, out of nowhere, he has flipped to Oregon. I, I, I didn't see it coming. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I thought Saban had this one wrapped up as a – you, you hardly ever see long-time Alabama commits flip like this.
1: No, you you hardly ever do, and especially I mean in Alabama's backyard. I mean, this kid's from the state of Alabama. He's from Calera, Alabama, and he just all of a sudden decides, you know what? Let's go to Oregon. Let's go. Let's go two thousand miles away to play. For I mean, why, who chooses Oregon over Alabama if you have the choice? Uh,
0: to be fair this is speaks volumes to me about the type of program. Mario Christian ball is building up in Eugene. That's I fair. think this Oregon team is on in, uh, on a strong upward trajectory. And I think this is just another example of the different culture that he's building. Um, after, you know, the dark, the dark ages after chip Kelly took his, uh took it, took his whole, pretty much whole staff and everything to the NFL. And Oregon went through some rough times with Willie Taggart and Mark Helfrich and, all these other coaches but mario kristenball is building a serious culture and i think it's i I really think they could be the next i'm not going to say they're going to win national championships like this they're going to be the the the, so clemson is an sec type team in the acc that's what oregon's being built into in the pac-12 oregon's going to be a little pac-12 program i'm a little sec program in the pac-12 very soon
1: yeah, let me go ahead and translate for all of you that aren't SEC fans, uh, because I know that we have listeners across the nation. What Zach means to say when he says they're going to be a little SEC program, he means that they're just going to be a good football team that's not in the SEC. So, uh, sorry if we if we offended anybody with that, but uh, Zach, let, let's hear more. <laughs> what do you have to say?
0: Yeah, um, and another so, the only problem. So uh, I had someone ask me this. And they said on the on the recruiting podcast, I also released a uh, article today about the biggest bust in college football history or, or the past decade in recruiting. Uh, there was a there was a lot of uh, SEC players and there's a lot of SEC talk on the podcast today. There was a lot of SEC talk on the preview episode. And it's just because the SEC is recruiting better players, guys. Um uh, You know, you guys want to hear about the five-star players, the four-star players, the top 100 players? Well, the SEC is eating those up. And we have to talk about the players you guys want to hear about. So there's nothing we could do about that. And to move on from this, Malachi Wadman, we highlighted him in the preview episode. He visited Ole Miss the last weekend of the weekend before signing day. And I said he's a threat to flip from Florida State to Ole Miss. He flipped to Tennessee out of nowhere. Yeah, it's, I
1: I don't know what's going on in Knoxville, but apparently, <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt has just opened up the garage because, I mean they ended up, they ended up at, as the tenth ranked team, in terms I mean, by recruiting terms this year. What are you kidding me? I mean they were thirteen last year, but. To finish in the top 10 for this Tennessee program, that is just – I mean, I know I criticize Jeremy Pruitt a lot, but, I mean, how can you? How can you when he's pulling in a top 10 recruiting class in the nation?
0: Yeah, I mean, when's the last time Tennessee had a top 10 recruiting class? I mean, maybe that one year, like if it was there. <laughs> <laughs> if that, maybe. if that, to be completely honest with you. And Tennessee got some studs this year, and if they land Zachary Evans – it's over
1: i mean it's they're just done for
0: come on man go ahead and
1: put them as a contender i mean sec west or sec east at least
0: this is the team that lost to georgia state (laughs)
1: yeah but i mean you and i understand that these recruiting classes sometimes don't mean much i mean georgia's had the number one recruiting class well they have it right now and they had it last year and i mean look at georgia they lost to south carolina this year um they lost in the SEC. They can't win an SEC championship. That's just a fact. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. It, it's it's something about this um, that just feels different about this Tennessee team. I feel yeah. like they can definitely get it done. I mean, I think Jeremy Pruitt, you know, and, and as much as I've criticized him, this is going to come as a shock. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a better coordinator, but I do think he's a decent head coach.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's done a great job at Tennessee outside of losing to, you know, BYU and Georgia State to start the season. I mean, Tennessee was on a roll toward the end of the season. That's what I'm saying. Uh, But, you know, to finish this segment up with two other SEC East programs, we have Broderick Jones... All you right. know, top 10 player in the country. I think he was the number one offensive tackle in the country sticks with his Georgia commitment. There were some rumors that Illinois and Auburn were in it. And there were a lot of rumors the day, the, uh, the morning of signing day that Broderick Jones was going to wait till March like Zachary Evans and take those visits to Illinois and Auburn. And he ended up a long drawn out ceremony, eventually got in his letter to Georgia and the Bulldogs keep, Probably their best target in their class so far.
1: Let me say this because I got bombarded with text messages yesterday or the other day. Whenever we released this podcast, um, on I guess it was on Monday, so I got the text on like Tuesday, Wednesday. Anyway, um, I told you, we we told you so. We knew he was going to stay with Georgia. Uh, You know, I had I had Auburn fans in my ear. That's okay. You can be in my ear, but he went to Georgia, didn't he? Yeah. So that's that's you know Auburn
0: fans. Leave, leave leave my boy alone. If yeah, I'm alone. giving up on a recruit, it is safe to say that recruit's gone. Yeah, what uh, I
1: tell you earlier, Zach is an insider. He <laughs> is our official insider. Which, I got
0: my sources.
1: Yeah, Zach's got his guys. He's got a guy. Everyone has a guy. Zach has. I mean, he has insider guys. So,
0: boom, guys, making insider, progress. Uh, barely her. <laughs> The last recruit I wanted to highlight in this uh, in this segment is someone that. Brandon immediately texted me and just, I I don't think we think the world is real anymore after this guy. Avante Williams. I don't know what happened. Someone got paid. Someone died. Someone got threatened with their life. Williams takes his talent to the U Miami and over Florida, which uh, literally has led in his recruitment from the time that this kid has been identified as a prospect. Uh, I I don't think anybody saw Miami coming.
1: I don't know. I mean, I kind of mentioned it on on the episode on Monday. You know, it's not it's not. Uh, give me a little bit of credit. I did choose Florida, and as soon as he signed, I texted Zach. I was like, you know what? I probably should have stuck with Miami. I didn't. I'll go ahead and uh, I'll take I'll take that L. Go ahead and throw it toward me, Zach. And I'll uh, there we go. It's in my pocket. So I don't know. Something about this guy, as soon as I said, you know what, I think he's all in on Florida, something about that made me kind of cringe. And I was like, ah, I probably shouldn't have said all in. And I, I guess I was right. Maybe shouldn't have said all in.
0: Uh, I don't know, man. I just didn't – I like Miami has been losing recruits left and right, and I don't see a lot of positives coming to Miami. Uh, I think the one highlight, I guess, for Miami right now would be that they landed Quincy Roche – who was the um, AAC Defensive Player of the Year this year, I believe, out of Temple, the defensive end. He transferred. He's headed to Miami. That's a huge win. Congrats on that one. But outside of that, I just don't think this all season has done any favors for the Hurricanes.
1: What? They finished 13th overall in terms of uh, recruits.
0: But they still lost a bunch. I mean, if you remember on early signing day, they had two recruits that they thought were – fully committed, that told the coaches they were signing and signed all the programs.
1: I mean, I remember that. I definitely do. And that's why, you know, after this early signing period, they were, what, they were ranked 18th? And now they're up to 13th. I mean, I think that overall, they've made improvements.
0: Yeah, they've made improvements. I just, I I don't think the future is super bright right now for Miami. And until they convince me otherwise, I'm going to stick with my guns and say...
1: Until they get a new coaching staff, I don't think that they're going to improve. That's that's a whole. I don't think I don't think
0: Manny Diaz is doing it. He's not. That's just a fact. You know, so we'll we'll wrap up this segment. We're going to move on to highlighting the new top the the final top ten composite rankings from two four seven. We have Georgia clinched the number one class real early because they kept everyone that they signed. Uh, Just, I mean. It's really not a hard concept, guys. They uh, kept project Jones <laughs> they, they they kept two other big recruits on their radar. And I, I really think Georgia came into the day thinking that they were going to end up as the number one class. And I think if you watch Kirby Smart's interview, he totally believed in his recruiting staff.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and not only did they like retain the recruits that they thought they would get, they were flipping recruits. So... Uh, that's one thing that I've noticed and you know if you follow recruiting whatsoever you've noticed um, that's something Kirby Smart's really good at he can flip these recruits I don't know what it is about him um, maybe he's got a fat wallet that's a that's a discussion for another day but Georgia is just steady flipping these recruits
0: yeah they, they are and that is, it's just so interesting and then To know, round up the top five, you have Alabama at number two, Clemson at three, LSU at four, and Ohio State at five. I think Uh, that's
1: what we expected, though.
0: Yeah, it was a quiet day, really, for uh, Clemson, LSU, and Ohio State. Uh, We kind of highlighted two players that Bama thought they were going to get. And uh, we'll highlight, so the sixth team is Texas A&M. We'll get to them in a second. They landed a big recruit, McKinley Jackson. Uh, We talked about him. I thought LSU was going to sneak up on them. Al- Alabama was really involved, but it sounds, from what I can tell from his interview and some insiders, A and M snuck in real late, got his final official, and they they closed the deal. They sealed the deal in College Station this past weekend.
1: Yeah, and neither one of us predicted that. That's kind of that was another big takeaway. You know, there were a lot of losers. I think we might have been the biggest loser of the day because we just got a bunch of these wrong, like just blatantly wrong.
0: Yeah, our we, predictions we were
1: not were not great.
0: No, I I don't think we hit very many of them. I especially, you know, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Brandon, you you really thought LSU had that Jordan Birch, but uh, I did
2: <laughs> so. I really did. That was in in
0: case in case you guys are wondering, we'll exclude Zachary Evans. We made five predictions on the podcast. God, uh, Brandon went one for three. Yeah, Not great. No, one for four. Sorry, my bad. Not great. Not great. And Zachary Evans might go to Tennessee, so he has a chance to redeem himself. I also didn't do great. I went two for four. So 50%. Ole Miss is still in the running. So this this Zachary Evans decision is going to decide who who, who wins this um, between us. But we'll see about that. But to round out the top ten, Auburn at seven, Florida at eight, Texas at nine, Huge winner, Tennessee, at 10. I don't think anyone expected Tennessee to be in the top 10. That's my biggest takeaway. And another takeaway is, oh, my God, can the SEC get any better? I mean, you, <laughs> I'm, really and truly, I mean, what, seven teams in the top 10? No, it's it's definitely impressive. Um, and, and that's not even including that in the top seven, you have, what, one, two, three, four teams from the same division. Yeah, it's that's wild, mind blowing. Auburn had a, the number seven recruiting class in the entire country. That's nothing to hang your head at, right? No, no, fifth, the fifth recruiting class in the SEC, barely top <laughs> five, and you were seventh in the country. <laughs> LSU was in the top 4 and was 3rd in their, in their in their own conference.
1: This is why we are the SEC podcast, guys. I I don't want to give in because Zach is just filling this podcast with propaganda about the SEC. And I'm an SEC guy. Like I you know, I'll defend the SEC sometimes. I'm mostly just an LSU fan. I'm not really an SEC fan, but yeah, I mean, let's let's not beat around the bush. This is this conference. I mean, as a whole, it just has to be the best in the in the country right
0: It is, and you guys can be so disappointed, so we're getting it into biggest winners and losers. Two of my three winners are s e c schools, and all of my losers are non s e c schools that's Yikes. how that's how bad this has gotten guys and Yikes. I'm trying to be as objective as possible, but I bet you are it, it is making real hard uh when you know Four of I mean, three of the top four SEC schools and two of those are from the same division. And OK, so I just want to highlight. So we're highlighting the top 10 here. I am extremely disappointed in three schools for in particular. And those scores, those schools are Oklahoma. Michigan and Notre Dame. OK, why are those schools not in the top 10? Well, Mostly because of the other schools that were in the top ten, I think. So so you're telling me that Tennessee, who lost to Georgia State and BYU, is out recruiting you? That is that that's that is unacceptable if you're Jim yeah. Harbaugh.
1: No, I mean I get that. It's <laughs> definitely not a great look. Um, you know what's even worse than that? Some of these some of these top ten uh Teams don't even have all their spots filled. Tennessee's a top 10 team with only 23 commits. Texas is a top 10 team with 19 commits. That's nuts. That's insanity.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it blows my mind because Zachary Evans is in Texas's backyard, not a word out of Texas. No, no. A lot of these teams keep given up A&M on the kid. Yeah. Oh, mean, you're still in the same state, man. I mean, no, I get that. that. If a talent, I mean, so if I mean, you
1: were. It's a, horns if, down from here, but.
0: <laughs> if, if you were a coach, would you take a chance?
1: Um, It depends. That's, if I were like a successful coach, like if I were like Nick Saban right now, like get out of my face. I don't need you. Are you kidding me? I mean, if, if I'm a successful coach, then there's no chance. But if I'm like, if I'm like a, I don't know. If I'm like a small, if I'm an old Miss right now, if I'm Lane Kiffin, yeah, go ahead. Pull on in. We need you.
0: That's true. If he goes to Ole Miss, he's putting up like 4,000 yards because I don't think they're going to do anything other than give that kid the ball.
1: Dude, they already just – they all they do is run. So,
0: You know, we're getting off track here, guys. I wanted to highlight the top 10, some teams yes. that should have been in it, some teams that, wow, really were putting Tennessee at the top 10, the SEC dominance. So we're going to move on. This is These are the segments that you guys will be looking forward to the most. Your biggest winners, your biggest losers. We're going to start out with the winners because good news first, bad news last. Brandon, who who is your first big winner of this recruiting cycle?
1: I'm going to go with Georgia. Um, I, I don't want to go with Georgia, and I already mentioned it earlier, and I mentioned it to you before the show. But, I mean, Georgia, two years in a row, is the number one overall recruiting team in the nation. Uh, you know, it's obviously – I mean, how could I not put them in here? I guess it's, it's like, Oh, Brandon, really real creative here. Okay. Georgia is doing things. I mean, I don't understand how they're doing it. They pulled in four five star recruits, uh, 15, four stars. I mean, their, their average score for a player is a 93. So I don't know. Is, is, is there's something about Kirby smart? And I already mentioned it earlier, so I'm not going to harp on it too much, but, he keeps his recruits, and he makes other teams' recruits flip. And that's just – if you can do that, I mean, that's a formula for success. Maybe not a formula to win a national championship, but it's something.
0: Yeah, I I just think it was the obvious pick. So I went with another SEC program. I, I think Georgia had an amazing uh, recruiting cycle. I think they're going to keep recruiting at a very, very, very high level. And I I would say my next team is Texas A&M. Uh, okay. I think they had an outstanding. I think if you just looked at yesterday in a vacuum, they had probably they probably had the best day out of anybody. Right. I mean, McKinley Jones picking them. I mean, out of nowhere, this kid is six three, three hundred and thirty pounds, and is going to be. I, I th- he will start for Texas A&M this year, and I have full confidence in saying that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get that.
0: And. And then when you look at what they already had, they had Brian George, a 6'2", 200-pound corner, number two junior college cornerback in the country. Huge get for this defense. So I mean, you have McKinley Jackson, Brian George, and then you add that to Jalen Jones, the number one safety five-star in the country, is already enrolled. I mean, yeah. this secondary, this defense in general is going to be unbelievably talented. And then that doesn't even include the five-star wide receiver, Demond uh, Demas, that showed out in the Polynesian bowl and showed out in these all-star games. And I think this kid has the talent to be the best wide receiver in the country from day one. And so I think they addressed both sides of the ball. They had Haynes King, the number five dual threat quarterback in the country out of Texas. I think, I think at, Jimbo Fisher made tremendous strides in finding his rhythm and finding it on the recruiting trail at least. And I think it's going to pay off in the coming years on the field and look out for Texas A&M to win their first ever SEC championship extremely soon.
2: Mm, we'll
1: see. Okay. So my next team that I have as a winner, uh, I'm, I'm venturing outside of the SEC. Um, and just depending on how things go, I might just I might just venture outside of the SEC for the for my last two. Um, so real creative here, Brandon. Again, uh, I've got Clemson. Clemson, number three overall team in the country uh, as far Ooh. as recruiting. Oh, Whatever they. Okay, so I mentioned the teams that were in the top ten that had not filled the recruiting uh, quota yet. That twenty-five, uh, those twenty-five commits. Clemson's one of those. Clemson finished number three with twenty-three commits. That's five five-star commits, signees, uh, 12 four-stars. Not only do they have those five five-stars, three of those five-stars are in the top ten recruits in the nation. They've got Brian Breezy, the def- that defensive tackle, that's the number one overall recruit this year. Um, they also have Miles Murphy, uh, defensive end, at number seven, and rounding it up at number ten, they've got DJ Ula- gaily whatever, th- that guy. Um, quarterback out of uh, out of California. So, obviously, I mean, pff, whatever. It, it's cliche. I get it. That's my number two team as a winner. Mm.
0: I'm going to stay with the SEC for my number two team. My next team will be three. out of the SEC. Oh, okay. This, th- th- this one is going to shock a lot of listeners. Brandon might bang his head, you know, fanning on know. this one. I have the Arkansas Razorbacks Ooh. as one of my biggest winners for this recruiting period. Chad Morris, head coaching uh, tenure at Arkansas, horrible. Coming into the day yesterday, they only had five early enrollees. I mean, you compare that to Auburn that had almost 20. That's that's a terrible start for Arkansas. Sam Pittman comes in from Georgia, and boy, does he make a difference. First, they get Malik Hornsby out of Texas, a dual-threat quarterback, 6'2", 175 has a chance to start immediately. He'll be competing with Felipe Franks, which is another huge get on the transfer portal. They they landed Marcus Henderson, a big guard, 6'5", 300 pounds, out of Tennessee. He should come in and contribute immediately. They landed former Auburn commit Andy Boykin out of Georgia, 6'3", 300-pound defensive end, sh- should have a chance to start immediately. They also landed Jalen St. John, an offensive tackle, 6'5", 3'10", they landed impact players that will come in and start immediately. And that's not even including people like Julius Coates from East Mississippi Community College in Scuba, Mississippi. Last chance to you. Strong side defensive end, 6'6", 270. He will start this coming season. And I think Arkansas is taking huge steps in the right direction. They, were, they had a top 30 recruiting class after winning, like, one game last year that's huge to be in the top 30 they were over teams like Iowa and Minnesota and West Virginia and Ole Miss and Cincinnati NC State Pitt Oklahoma State Virginia who was just in the Orange Bowl so I think Arkansas was a huge winner this cycle in terms of trying to really change the culture and really turn this uh, Razorbacks program around
1: Right. Zach, and I think we're all dying to hear you venture outside of the SEC. So why don't you go ahead and wrap yours up?
0: Yeah, uh, I have the Oregon Ducks. All right. Um, They have the number 12 recruiting class in the country, the top-ranked recruiting class in the Pac-12. So in the early signing period, they had an early enrollee, an inside linebacker by the name of Noah Sewell, 6'2", 260, and he's a five-star, top 15 player in the country. Huge get for the Ducks. And that doesn't even include that Justin Flo signed the number one linebacker in the country, a top six player. They also had five-star cornerback Dante Manning out of Missouri. They went reaching for this kid, and he's a five-star. So, I mean, they already had a strong base set up. And then they flipped Jason Jones from Alabama. We kind of highlighted him from Calera, Alabama. six Almost six seven three forty. That kid is going to be a man once he gets into the system of Mario Cristobal, and that's not even including they they got a strong transfer Davon Williams out of USC, impact player immediately. I think yeah. Mario Cristobal is really changing the culture here, and. You you know they went into Alabama and got another dual threat quarterback in Robbie Ashford. That was a long time Auburn lean. They convinced him to come all the way out to Oregon six four two nineteen. He played at Hoover. The, that school turns out real talent. And so I I really it would be lying to you guys and to say that like Oregon was not one of the more impressive classes to me this uh this recruiting cycle.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, with my final team that I have in my winners, and I'm just going to go ahead and say two words. I mean, the school is also, I could give them two words. Jordan Birch, South Carolina, let's go. Who expected this team to finish with a five-star recruit at the beginning of this recruiting cycle? No one, not me. Um, so <clears throat> Jordan Birch really solidified this pick for me. Um, I mean, they're up to 18 this year. And they're in the top 20. This is a South Carolina team that really hasn't made waves in almost a decade. So to see the culture kind of changing, uh to see to see Will Muschamp kind of save his job by landing this recruit is uh good enough to land in my uh my best recruiting classes of this season.
0: Yeah, I, I think you have to. And I mean he kept multiple, you know recruits that were getting ready to you know also considering other programs let's put it that way and i think will Muschamp took a big step forward uh but he has to put he has to put it together on the field i don't think people in columbia are going to put up with you know mediocrity losing to appalachian state for very much longer no they won't oh go ahead yeah
1: let's go ahead and move on to our uh we have our losers now so oh
0: boy Yeah,
1: this is the fun part. So we've already talked about our winners. It's time to get kind of down in the dumps here. Uh, Zach, who would you consider to be your biggest loser of this recruiting cycle?
0: I didn't rank mine, but I'll go ahead and start with the first one, and that's Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Virginia Tech only had 15 signees in this recruiting class, and they they ranked 14th, which is – dead last in the ACC in recruiting. They're oh, it's, it's tough. It, it, not a great look. I mean, their best player was really a community college running back by the name of Marco Lee out of Coffeeville, Kansas. And he was not even a top 100 JC player. Uh they I mean, they had some good defensive signings. They got Alec Bryant and Robert Wooten out of Texas, both defensive ends. But just recruiting defensive ends isn't going to help you. I mean, I I, I see some potential in um, some of their players. I mean, you you have people like Tyree Saunders out of Florida, a wide receiver, has potential, but he wasn't a highly touted recruit. I guess that one of their biggest gets is getting R- Raheem Blackshear, uh, the transfer running back from Rutgers, to come but he's i don't believe he's eligible immediately so he's going to have to sit out a year. I think this Virginia Tech team, I mean, uh there's really not much to be happy about. Justin uh, Fu- uh Fuente really fumbled this this season. Uh he he dropped the ball and I think Virginia Tech is going to be set back for a long time based on these results.
1: Yeah, I I could definitely I could definitely definitely see that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and mention Florida state as one of my biggest losers this year. Um, and that's just because it looks like they're kind of spiraling at this point. Um, you know, this is their worst recruiting class that we've seen in years. Uh, I think that this may be, this might actually be their worst in the past decade, I think. Anyway. Um, and that's, that's kind of, I mean, that says good things about Florida state, but I mean, this is a team that was, in the college football playoff like five seasons ago. And now suddenly they're finishing second or 22nd overall um, in recruiting. Uh, that's their worst ranked class that I've heard in a while. Like I just mentioned. Um, and it's just supposed to get worse from here. Uh, next year they're projected to be 30th overall. So they've got to get something together. Hopefully, hopefully the new coaching staff brings in a different kind of culture for this Florida state team. But for now it's not looking too promising
0: no uh mike norval i think just needs time i mean he got in late on the recruiting class and with the addition of the early signing period if there's a coaching change it sets that program uh back immensely yeah for sure and and you know to you talk we talked about mike norval headed to florida state memphis is my next uh biggest loser they have the 75th ranked recruiting class yikes that's good for fifth in the AAC after last year having the second ranked recruiting class. They, it didn't impress me really and truly with many of their signings. Of, uh, I've I've really there's nobody here to highlight that like the average person would know, and that's that's really disappointing coming from a program that's producing NFL talent like Antonio Gibson and has a real chance to win the AAC again. Their biggest get really is uh, Kondarius Taylor out of um, Community College, out of uh, Copia Lincoln Community College in Mississippi. Uh, he's a wide receiver. I think he's got some potential. I think he could be the next Antonio Gibson, but um, I, I don't see. I don't think he has the explosiveness. I think he'll be more of a deep threat. He's 6'2", so he has a lot more size than Antonio Gibson. I don't think he has the running ability. And then you have... Keelan Brown out of Zachary, Louisiana. Never heard of the sound Zachary, Louisiana, but he's a little undersized dual threat quarterback. He's only about five ten, five eleven. Not a highly sought uh, sought after recruit. I think Memphis really took a step back in this recruiting class, and it's a shame that the coaching staff couldn't build on their championship, uh, their conference champion last year, and a cotton Bowl appearance yes we just talked about coaching changes affecting it but if you're stepping into a program that just won a conference championship you should be able to hit the ground running better than other coaches and other coaching staffs right i
1: definitely agree with you um i'm gonna go ahead and move on to i only had two schools for my biggest loser so my my final school and i think we have to touch on them uh i'm going with usc usc yep. was just i mean Awful. let's talk about let's talk about a disappointment I don't even, I mean, they, and I've harped on it so much, I'm not going to sit here and just blabber on and on. I'm not going to bore everybody, but they finished 55th this year after finishing 19th in recruiting last year. They finished third overall in the Pac-12 last year. They are number 10 right now. And I think, I mean, and you guys know why, uh, unless you're a new listener. If you're a new listener, I'll go ahead and explain it for you. Clay Helton, that's all you need to know. Um, the AD wasn't sold on clay Helton until this off season for whatever reason. Uh, they extended him one more year. So, I mean, the recruits they're bringing in don't know. I mean, their, their future is uncertain. And then there were also guys that wanted to commit probably that's that thought, okay, well, they're definitely gonna bring in urban Meyer. They're going definitely gonna bring in one of these veteran coaches. It's USC. They have the money to do that. Well, they stuck with Clay Helton because he didn't have an awful season and recruits don't necessarily want to go play for Clay Helton. So uh, I think that's a big reason that, that they've dropped so immensely.
0: Yeah. Uh, just recruits don't want to play for uncertainty. Like he's just, just to reiterate what you said and you know, when, you know, Gary Bryant jr. Was a huge get top 50 player out of uh, California. He's a wide receiver He's going to be explosive, especially in an offense that's led by Keaton Slovis. Uh, I think Keaton Slovis has a super bright future. They landed some offensive linemen. Uh, uh, Jonah uh, Monheim uh, from California, offensive guard, 6'5", 280, will contribute a lot when he gets on campus. But outside of that, I don't see a lot here. Um uh, I don't see a lot of explosive players. I I don't see anything that makes me go, wow, I can't wait to see that kid on the field. Um, when one of your most highly touted signees is a kicker, that it's a bad look for you. Uh, you know, Jack Yari has some talent. He's a tight end out of California and Cortland Ford could be another offensive tackle that could make an impact, but really and truly USC doesn't have anything that is worth noting. Uh, This should not be a program that struggles like this. They have 13 commits, guys. 13 players are coming in for this recruiting class. That's so bad. Do you want to know who had a better recruiting class in USC? Oregon State. I mean, there were a lot of teams.
1: We can list them.
0: Yeah, and USC only was one spot better than Washington State after losing Mike Leach.
1: That's tough. (laughs) <laughs>
0: that's so that's tough. that's garbage guys i really really love when programs like usc are good and it just frustrates me when programs like this are not living up to their potential because as if if you're coaching for usc you have the resources you have the ability to sell recruits on a beautiful campus in a beautiful state with history with a competitive conference but you're sitting here letting teams like Oregon State out recruit you. You literally are in a hotbed of talent in California that turns out really, really good recruits every year. I mean, you look at, um, I mean, Bryce Young going to Alabama. That kid was in your backyard, and you let him leave. Yeah, it's tough. That's that's ridiculous. Justin Flo. I mean, you are just letting kids walk right out of your backyard. If if something doesn't change, uh, USC is going to be in trouble for a long time. And I it's going to get to the point if they let Clay Helton continue this, a coaching change is not going to save the USC Trojan football program. And so, guys, we will end it there. We kept this episode a little bit on the short side. We know, uh, you know, not everyone is super deep into recruiting. But we wanted to bring you guys the info that you need as college football fans to inform your decisions later in the season and for coming years. Know what programs to be on the lookout for. Players that you'll be watching Saturday in a few months and be like, oh, I I remember that kid coming out of college listening on the Blue Bloods. Or at least that's what we hope. Odds are that's probably not going to happen. But anyway, this episode will drop on Friday, February 7th. Go check out our blog. We got new content on there. We got the top players from the AAC that dropped earlier this week. And we also got a brand new blog that dropped today as we're recording. It'll be one day old when this comes out. It highlights the biggest recruiting bust in the past decade. It's a great read just based on, um, you know, all the high expectations a lot of these teams have about uh, these five-star recruits. Everyone in the article is a five-star. Everyone was supposed to be a surefire NFL star did not happen guys um but we got big things in the works we got big guests coming big episodes ready for you guys um but um brandon you got anything you want to add
1: uh no not really um (laughs) we've
0: (laughs) he said i'm good no we've got
1: got, we've got things in the works um just know that so we've uh, we've been working on a lot of stuff be on the lookout in the near future um but i mean that's really all
0: Awesome guys. Uh follow us on social Instagram at the underscore blue bloods. Twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods. We're working on that too. Do not fret. Um Facebook at the Blue Bloods Pod. Follow us there. Blog. Find links on Twitter and Facebook. Uh guys, if you like the podcast, please go give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Preferably a five star. Won't hold any grudges <laughs> with the four, but nothing below a four or, or we will have to fight um but five stars all love um but we appreciate you guys listening and we will be back next week with more content for you guys uh we'll come out we'll we'll have uh content on the blog episodes all kind of stuff announcements coming soon so follow those socials i gave you to stay all up to date on the latest blue bloods information but right now we out (laughs)